Well, we're going to go ahead and continue on, surprise, surprise, in the book of 1 Corinthians. We are going to go ahead and start working through, uh, well, I think we're going to finish with chapter 8 today. And uh, so if you guys remember, a couple weeks ago, uh, we were dealing with the beginning of chapter 7, and, and basically it was talking, Paul was dealing with, in the Corinthian church, um, those who were unmarried and those, or sorry, those who were married to unbelieving spouses. And basically how that situation should be handled in a biblical manner. And then he also looked at remaining as you were when you got saved. That was the big thing. If you're married when you got saved, stay married. If you were a Jew when you, stayed, when you were saved, don't attempt to become a Gentile by removing the mark of circumcision. If you were a Gentile when you got saved, don't attempt to become a Jew by getting circumcised. If you're a bondservant when you became saved, don't try to use the fact that you and your master are Christians to get out of your responsibilities. Um, and if you're free, don't attempt to become enslaved. That's just common sense. You probably didn't have to say that one. <clears throat> but yeah, basically, stay in the way that Christ found you. And God can use you in each and every one of those situations. Now this week, Paul is going to begin to speak to those who are unmarried and widows, particularly those who were, uh, as uh, the word in the Greek says, that they were betrothed, that they were virgins is what the word means. And basically he's talking about those young women who have not been married off yet. And he's saying, if you're unmarried, go ahead and try to say that way. And then he deals for a little bit of time those women who were married and then became widows and who were no longer married. And then finally, as a part of this, as he begins to explain why he, he recommends that they remain unmarried, it's because he talks about the responsibilities that married people have. How many know that being married is not easy? It's not. Being married is hard. There's a lot of things that go into that. I know when, and particularly as Paul's going to deal with today, is the idea of, of, of being married while you're serving God and how that can have an impact as well. And I remember when God was working on my heart and, and he said, you're going to be a pastor. And I said, no, God, you're wrong. And he said, no, you're going to be a pastor. And I said, no, God, you must be mistaken. You're, you're thinking about somebody else. I, I'm pretty sure he was thinking about Josh. We have the same haircut. He got confused. <laughs> But he says, no, not Josh, I'm talking about you. I said, are you sure? We look, a lot, we look kind of alike. He's a little more handsome. He would probably reach more people. But uh, I said, and he said, no, no, it's, it's you. And I said, finally, after, after like two years of telling God that he was wrong, I finally said, okay, God, you're right. And I had this amazing sense of peace. And I had this, this sense of peace coming over me. And, and I was like, I was ready. And I said, Babe, you're not going to believe this. I've been fighting the whole time, but we're going to be pastors. And she said, no, Wayne, you're wrong. And I said, no, no, we're going to do it. And it took another year for God to say, but she couldn't say he meant somebody else because she was married to me. She was stuck. So it took another year. And how many of you know that, that uh, thank God, she finally said, okay, God, you're right, and we stepped out and we're here today. But how many of you know for that year, because I had to be concerned with the things of my wife and making sure that she was happy, because, you know, what's the saying go of mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So, you know, I was concerned with my wife, and I couldn't just lay everything aside and serve God how I intended to serve God. That's, that's one of the things that Paul's deal with. When you're married, you have to think about more than one person, Amen. So let's go ahead and get started here. 
In 1 Corinthians seven twenty five through 26, he says, Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. So we're coming off the back end of what we just talked about for a person remaining as he is. But now he's specifically going to be dealing with the betrothed. And he's, he's dealing with something that's common in their culture. You know, we think of it today, this idea of arranged marriages, and we're like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's awful. You force somebody to be with somebody else, and, and, and we, we think it's this awful thing. But we have to remember that we're dealing with a completely different culture. They didn't think it was an awful thing. That was just how life was done. That was normal for them. And basically, the, what he says now concerning the betrothed, what, what's indicated there is that this is a question that they actually had for Paul. This isn't just Paul speaking out of the blue. They had a genuine question. They, they said, Paul, what do we do in this situation? And they're probably going, you're teaching about how it's better to stay, remain unmarried. What do we do with our daughters who are, who are virgins who are to be married off, who are already betrothed, that are already, the, the arrangement has started, it just hadn't been finished yet. And the young women's parents are the ones that made these decisions. And like I said, it's just how it was done back then. So they're asking, what is the deal? How do we handle this situation? And Paul says, well, once again, I don't have a command from the Lord. You know, there's a lot of things in life that there's not commands from the Lord in the Bible. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that, that we have no direction from God. I was speaking to a... Uh, a minister of a, of a different um, denomination, and they have some, some interesting ideas uh, that, that I wouldn't agree with. And they would say that, though the reason we believe this is because nowhere in the Bible does it say to do this. And my thought on all that kind of stuff is, like, you know, we can't do this because the Bible doesn't say to do it. Or we can't do this because the Bible says, doesn't say we can't do it, and we're not sure. I'm like, well, the, the and sorry, I don't want to go, I know I'm being vague, I'm not trying to call any other church out, which is why. But what I asked him, I said, well, does anyone in the Bible, does it say you can eat pancakes? And he said, no. Have you ever eaten pancakes? Why did you eat pancakes if it wasn't in the Bible? Sometimes we have to make some judgments based on what the scripture already says, what the Lord is speaking to our heart. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, you know what? I haven't had, the heavens didn't open and God didn't say, thou shall not marry off your daughters. But he said, but I have, you know, being one that is trustworthy, being one that, you know, I love you guys. I care about you guys. Here's my advice on this situation. He says that I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. What he's saying is, is if they're not married, they should probably go ahead and remain unmarried. And right, we just talked about this last week, about when that's a good idea and when that's not a good idea. If you can't control your hormones, get married. It's going to keep you out of trouble. But if God has called you to remain single, then remain single and serve him with all that you have. But Paul says, you know what, the young women, they should stay as they are. They should stay unmarried. And it's not because Paul didn't believe in marriage. You can read his other writings. Paul believed in the sanctity of marriage. Paul believed that marriage was a good thing. 
And it's not because he wanted them to suffer. He didn't want them to go through life, particularly in that day and age. If you didn't get married, if you didn't have children, you were looked down upon by the rest. Of, as a matter of fact, a woman that wasn't married or who didn't have children, she was ostracized. She wasn't, there was something wrong with her if that had not happened in her life already. So it's not because he wanted them to suffer because of that, but rather he thought that it would be easier for them in this current time of distress this present distress as he refers to it, it'd be easier for them to be single than it would be to be married. So what is this present distress that Paul's talking about? Well, the good news is, is everyone's got a different idea what's actually he's talking about. And I'm reading through the commentaries, I'm reading through the stuff that people say, and, and there's different opinions about what this means. Some say that uh, Paul expected the, the Lord's return and was referring to the, the calamities that would come in the second coming. Some say that it's possible that there were political and economic pressures going on in the city of Corinth that we don't know about, you know. No, I wasn't there. I don't think any of you guys were, so we don't really know what's, what's going on. Joseph may have been alive around that time, but we're not certain. We're not certain, so we'll ask him afterwards and find out. We could clear this all up right now. Oh, that was a close one. We almost had it. So, huh? Yeah, that was a tough time. But uh, they also say that maybe, and this is probably the most likely, just like Tony just said, it was the, the Roman occupation. It was the persecution that the Christians would be, that would, that would be coming. At this point, it's not really hit full force yet. So, but Paul, he's a smart guy. He sees the writing on the wall, and he says, you know what? Stuff's about to get tough. It might be easier if you're not married. And he's giving them this practical advice because it would mean less suffering for them. When persecution came, Paul thought it would be easier to be handled by, by a single person than it would be a couple. And I, I think if we sit back and think about that, that's probably true in a lot of ways because serving God, particularly in that climate, it's not like serving God here. I mean, serving God here, I mean, it, it's rough when we got to go on a Saturday too. You know, like, oh, it's horrible. I had to go two days to church. But back then, when they served God, they could die for it. They could be killed for that. Throwing their life at the foot of the cry at Jesus' feet and say, do with me what you will. And think about, as a single person, how crazy that is. I mean, that's, as much as you're going to serve the Lord, your heart's determined, you're, nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to be tortured. Nobody wants to be... Think about how crazy that would be for a single person, how scary that would be. Now think about what that means if you have a significant other. Or rather, if it was your, your spouse that was going in. He said, remain as you were, because this might be harder for you if you're married. You see, Paul was single-mindedly devoted to the spread of the gospel. He wanted to share the love of Jesus Christ. And he said, that should be above everything else. And that's what he's talking about. Paul's not trying to be a jerk. He's just saying, listen, you know, the good advice is you probably should do it this way. It's going to turn out better for you. Kind of like the advice we give our kids when we're trying to teach them. And it's, you know, you may not agree with this, but we've been through it. We've done it. We know what's going on. This might be better for you. And that's all he's doing, even though looking from the outside in, it may seem like not a good idea. much easier with a tablet when I can just swipe through my notes. I got to figure it out. First, 
<laughs> Once again, first world preacher problems. First Corinthians 7.27, he says, Are you bound to a wife? Do not ask to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. I think it's interesting he used the word free for both of these. Just food for thought. <laughs> but uh, he says, are you bound to a wife? <laughs> he says, are you bound to a wife? Don't, don't seek to be free. And if you're, if you're free from a wife, for the love of God, run. It's, oh, no, it says, do not, do not seek a wife is what it says. <laughs> Paul extends this advice to remain as you are, to not only who we've talked before, but you know, this is extended to all, remain as you are. If you're married, don't end the marriage. Well, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? Don't end the marriage so you can serve God better. Just serve God with your, with your spouse. And if you think about this, this advice he's giving is consistent with what we just talked about a second ago. Stay as you are. And it would be difficult for Romans in the coming days. That's just, that's all. That, and we know from history that it was. It was hard for them. So he says, you know what? Why don't you just stay focused on the Lord wherever you're at? Remain where you are. Don't make any, any big changes. And let's just serve God with all that you have. Make God your priority instead of making changes in your life. 1 Corinthians 7.28 says, But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Even after he's giving all this advice, he says, You know what? If you're not married... Stay single. This is my advice to you. It's good advice. You should take it. He says, I don't have a command from God, but I, I think I have the Spirit of the Lord on this one, is what he says in a little while. He says, and we know that he's, he's one with God, right? Paul's walking in. This is good advice from God, even though it's not a, a directly a command. But he wants to make sure that he's not misunderstood at the same time. He says, I want to make sure that you don't misunderstand. If you do marry, you, you have not sinned. He's, I'm not saying that if you get married, you have sinned. And he's saying if the, if the betrothed, if the, the women get married off or the, the, the fathers marry the daughters off, nobody sinned. There's nothing wrong with that. So Paul's advice was not moral advice. It was about dealing with these worldly troubles. And he wanted to spare them of those troubles. He, he wanted to make it clear to people that if you got married at this time, it's probably going to make it more difficult to do the work that you have been called to do. How many know that everybody in this room has been called to do something for God? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has something that he wants you to do. And particularly, if you mess around and get involved with the wrong woman or the wrong man, that could put a real hamper on your life. If you are going to get married, make sure you get married to someone who is equally yoked, someone who wants to serve God as well so you can serve side by side. But he said that that you can have problems if you're married. And even if you're married to the right woman, if you're married to the right man, Paul's going to talk about in a little while that even if that's true, your focus is divided. Like I gave that, told you in that story earlier when I started off about my wife and I, I still was married to my wife. I couldn't just leave her to serve God, so we still had to work together. My focus was divided. My focus will always be divided to some extent. Because I walk side by side with her. Now, I thank God that my wife and I have the same vision. We have the same idea to serve God. That makes it a whole lot easier. But with the possible upcoming persecution, being focused on another would make it difficult. 
And I see that in my, my, my own life now. When I, when I think about stuff even now, about how I can do things, I think about how it will affect my wife. I think about how certain things are going are gonna to happen. You know, if somebody were to threat or harm my wife, I might get unsaved for a few minutes just to, to take care of the situation, just to let you know. Because I'm going to look out for my wife and take care of my and my kids. So there's a slightly divided focus. Um, one of the things that I thought was an amazing story, and, and I, I wonder how he did it, but Dr. Leon Van Royen told a story about how he went to a village to preach the gospel, and, and I don't remember which African country it was, but it was one where they weren't uh, particularly in these, this area friendly with, with outsiders coming in, let alone Christians. And he tried to visit, and they began walking through the town with his team, and he looked out and he saw that, that things were about to get ugly. And the villagers were starting to, to, to come against him. And if you ever listen to this, forgive me if I'm telling it slightly wrong. But I remember he said he went in and things weren't looking good. So the team had to leave to make sure that none of his team got hurt or were killed or were harmed. And he went home and he began praying about it. And this is a crazy part because I'm pretty sure he didn't tell his wife. But he grabbed up his sons. And he went back to that village, just him and his sons. And he walked in and, and the villagers came out again. And he, he, he understood the possibility of what could happen. But he got to him and he, he came to him and he said, you know, to the villagers that I come with my, with my sons to let you know that Jesus Christ, I want you to know what I'm willing to give up to tell you about someone who loves you so much. And thank God everything turned out actually because of that. He was able to get into that village and make a difference because he was willing to even give up. I don't know how somebody does that, to be honest. And I don't think that, uh, that I might not do the same thing, you know, because I'm going to protect my family. But there's a truth that when you have family, when you have a spouse, there is a division of your priorities. And Paul says, with what's coming up, I don't want you to be divided in what's coming up. This could cause you even more problems, make it even worse. But he says, it's not a sin if you get married. But for anybody that is going to get married, and that's today's day and age as well as back then, you have to be willing and ready to accept the trials and the difficulties that are going to accompany it. Being married is hard. The, the advice that was given to my pastor when he got married was, was get married, find out you're incompatible, and get over it. You know, marriage is hard. And you got to work through those things. Amen? In 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine through 31, he says, This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though, live as though they had none. And those who have mourned as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Just as Paul had just challenged those who were unmarried to consider their situation in light of their, the call of God on their life. Now he's challenging everyone, not just those who are, who are married, but he says those who have any dealings with the word, those who, uh, those who buy as though they had no goods, those who were rejoiced as not rejoicing, those who mourn as those who are not mourning. He's, he's talking about everybody. He's challenging everybody along these same lines. 
And they were to recognize that their time on this earth is short. And even if you were not to consider the likelihood of being persecuted severely or even being martyred for the name of Jesus, our lives are still short. In James 4.14 it says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. One of the psalmists says, Oh Lord, teach me to number my days. We have such a short time here on earth. And he begins to challenge them. He says, the time is short. The time has grown very short. In the bottom he says, for the present form of this world is passing away. We're not going to be here much longer. And even generation after generation, Christians are not going to have much longer on this earth to do what we've been called to do. And Paul's focus is never on the temporal. Paul's focus is never on this earth, this short time that we spend here, but it's always on eternity. And you see that in this advice through all of this. We're like, Paul, you don't want us to get married. That seems rough. And he's like, but you don't get it. Your short time of happiness on this earth is, is much less important than your eternity. And even more so, it's much less important than even other people's eternity. And he says, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. We're going to explain this because some of you guys are getting crazy thoughts in your head right now. I can feel it. This does not mean that we get to each start searching for additional wives. That's not what it means. What he's saying, yeah, actually, if you've been married for a while, you know that's a dumb idea anyway. One's enough. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. Yeah, and, they got, and truthfully, the wives got it harder than us. I can tell you that much. They're much prettier than we are. Hallelujah. What he's, not, he's not saying go search for additional women. This is not the, uh, the, the anthem for polygamy. What he's saying is, is that when you live your life, try to live it in such a way that you're not double-minded. That you're not, what he's saying is, is that instead of God and your wife, it needs to be God and your wife. God should always come first. Now, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to shy away from our, our responsibilities as husbands. But we do need to make sure that our relationships don't affect our calling on our life. We still need to serve the Lord with all that we have. And he goes on to say, and it's not just Mary. He says, those that, that mourn as though they were not mourning. Those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Those who is by as though, by as though they had no goods. He's basically saying, don't let whatever you're wrapped up with in the world come in between of, of your focus on serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a sin to mourn, but at some point you have to move on. It's not a sin to rejoice, but at some point you have to move on. Paul said, I forget all things that lie behind me, the good and the bad, and I press forward. Amen? His entire point was that our devotion to the Lord should take our first priorities. And like I said, we, that doesn't mean that you, you, you forget about everything in your life. We still have responsibilities. You need to take care of your wife and your kids. The scripture says, actually, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. But we still have to make sure that while we're doing those things, Jesus still takes the preeminence in our lives. It doesn't mean that, oh, you know, I don't have to go, go to work anymore because I'm just going to serve God. But guess what? Most of us work to, to fund our ministries. I know I do. 
The church is not in a position that it can pay me. So I've been, for the last four years, I've been working full time and also serving here as a pastor. All of you have jobs. We all work to fund our ministries. So we can't give up and just not show up to work one day. But we have to make sure that nothing is more important than serving him and sharing the good news. And the truth is, is this requires sacrifice. This is not always easy. Many of you guys may not know this about me, but I was actually, I had went back to school and I was actually a very, like a half a semester away from getting my degree in, in computer science to go do what, what, even what I do now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an IT guy. I'm an IT nerd and, and uh, that's, that's what I do for a living. I'm very good at it. I enjoy it a lot. And I was going to school to get my degree. And right before I finished, God began to speak to me and he said, you need to choose. You can't do both. And so I did. I, I set that aside. And that's been a huge sacrifice for our family. One, because I had like $36,000 in student loans and I don't have a degree for it. Two, because it was taking my focus away. And the truth is, is that even when this church grows large enough that it can pay me, it'll be paying me significantly less than I make now and definitely significantly less that if this had been my, my career track, the kind of work that I do, it's not uncommon to make six figures. That's not going to happen. It's a sacrifice, but it's worth it to me because he is my focus. Our kids have done without many things in our lives as well. Particularly in the areas of extracurricular activities. And I'm sure in some ways they wish that things had been different. And I understand that, but we have chosen the Lord above all less. And I believe that my kids are going to be blessed for that anyway. God's not going to let them be without because we were serving him. But it was hard on them. We moved, we packed up everything and left them the other side of town where we knew everybody to move to this side of town. The kids were in a new school. They didn't know anybody. All their friends were on the other side of town. We did that. It's a sacrifice to serve God. But I believe that it's going to be worth it. Even if it doesn't show up to be worth it now, it will be worth it when I get to heaven and I get to see people that I made an impact in their lives that are there because we said yes. How many people are going to be there because you said yes to God? And how many people are going to miss it if you're not willing to? If something else is more important. The truth is, is that even though it's been tough, it's required much sacrifice we wouldn't trade it for anything because we believe eternity is more important than our temporal time here on this earth. And it's not even just for us, it's for, for all of those who we, we've had the opportunity to reach, to minister into their lives. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I would challenge you to always do that. And what you're doing for the work of God makes a difference in somebody else's life. Now, I'm saddened in a lot of ways that my kids didn't get to do a lot of things that maybe other kids do. But if it meant one person made it to heaven, I would trade that any day of the week. Amen? And the truth is, if they sat down and think about it, I think they would as well. 
But the world is passing away. It's not going to be here forever. It's a short time. And what will remain when we leave this earth are those who have been saved. We can't take anything with us. I was... uh, uh, I put a post on Facebook yesterday that someone had put up and it showed a picture of a hearse with a U-Haul attached to the back. <laughs> it said, well, I guess we can't use that illustration anymore. <laughs> but even if the U-Haul is attached to the back of a hearse, they're not taking any of that stuff with them. What will go with you are the lives that you've touched. Those are the ones who have been saved because you've had an impact. You've planted a seed. You responded to the call of God on your life. Amen? And Paul's focus with this whole point to these Christians in Corinth is that they need to make the most of their time before Christ returns. And that ought to be our attitude as well. Amen? 1 Corinthians 7, 32-35 says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. This is why Paul recommended they stay single. Because he wanted them to be free from anxieties. What he means by free from anxieties is is, is the idea of being free from being pulled in two different directions. That's, how, that's what causes stress in your life when you're pulled in multiple directions. When you want to serve the Lord, but you can't because you're in debt or because you have to work too much or because there's so many other uh, uh, things fighting for our time, we get pulled in different directions. And it can cause anxiety. And marriage is a tremendous responsibility for both spouses that are involved. And for a marriage to be successful, a husband and wife have to work at their relationship. Marriages just don't work on accident. You have to be committed. You have to make a decision every day to remain married and fight through whatever's coming your way. And both spouses will have to be concerned about their earthly responsibilities and how to please one another. If you remember a little while ago, Paul said, if you're married, you need to recognize that your body is not your own. Your wife's is, is, is your, your body is your wife's and your wife's body is yours. And you need to recognize that you have responsibilities to one another. And this is a good and important thing for those who are married. Matter of fact, if most marriages would have a lot less struggles if they just got the whole sex thing figured out and realized that, that the wife's body is her husband's and the husband's body is her wife's. That would solve tons of problems if they begin to, to be concerned with one another. And it's important for those who are married. But Paul's not saying that it's not impossible for a man and woman to serve God together. It's not impossible. We see it every day. There's many married couples in this church who are serving God. My wife and I are serving God together. And you see it in the scriptures as well. I mean, Priscilla and Aquila were one of the married couples that had a high influence in the church. And they were a married couple as well. 
We just have to make sure that even as we're married, that we're also concerned with serving the Lord, that that is first in our relationship with each other, that Jesus is first, and then also individually that Jesus is first. But Paul does want to be clear that, yeah, when you are married, your your attentions are divided. And that's what he's talking about here. And these weren't regulations the church had to follow. But instead, this is advice that came from Paul's heart. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 7, 36 through 38, it says, If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no, under no necessity but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Now, this is another one of those scriptures that's been interpreted in a couple different ways. If you look at older translations, they, they, they think that this, this scripture was talking to the father of the brides. But most modern translations interpret this to be actually speaking to the, to the, to the husbands or the, 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 the fiancés, if you will. The, the, the men, not the fathers, but the actual men who will be being married. And actually... From what I've been reading about it, if you look at the way the Greek is worded, that's the way that this can be read as most consistent, and that's the way that I'll talk about it today. But it's Paul's talking to those men who are, are engaged to be married, and they have a choice to make. They're not married yet. And he says, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, and what does it mean by that, not behaving properly towards his betrothed? So basically what's happening here is we have a man and a woman who have been arranged to be married, but they're not tying the knot yet. They're not going through with it, and they're waiting. Maybe the, the, the one who is to be the husband, the fiancé, has been praying about what's going on. He's heard Paul preach, and he's not sure if he wants to get married, so now he's just in limbo. They're in waiting. And Paul says this. He says, if you think that you're not behaving properly towards your betrothed, basically, if you are tying her up, is what he's saying. Because while they're betrothed, while that's happening, these, these women cannot be married to anybody else. But, like we talked about earlier, in this culture, if they don't get married, if they don't have children, they are looked at uh, poorly. And on top of that, the longer that they wait to get married, the less likely that they'll eventually get married. So he's saying, what he's saying, if you think that you're behaving improperly, if you're engaged to get married and you're not making a decision yes or no, but you're just holding on and and it's 10 years later and you decide, well, now you've put her in a horrible position because she may be destitute and single her entire life. So he says, if you think that you are uh, behaving improperly, and then he says, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. So basically, if you're one of those people, we talked about a couple weeks that aren't called to be celibate. If you don't have that ability, if you've got some raging hormones and stuff going on, instead of being wrapped up in the temptation of sin and doing something stupid, then get married. Have a wife. Live with her. Do the things husbands and wives do. And deal with that stuff. But he says, but... He says, let them marry, it is no sin, but who is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, 
but having his desire under control. What he's saying now, he's saying, but if you've established in your heart, if you've been called to be single, if you've been called to serve the Lord in that manner, and God has given you the ability to, to deal with your desires and having them under control, then go ahead and stay that way. Release that woman to her parents so that she can be married again, or if she wants to serve the Lord, she can do the same thing. He says, but if, if you have that under control, and then he says before here, under no necessity, I want to remind him, this isn't a, I said, it's not a command from God that you don't stay married. If you're doing it out of some sort of sense of duty and obligation, and you've not been called to remain single, you're going to get yourself in a mess. Because we're designed as, as sexual beings. Sex was created before the fall. And we have desires. And we have those things. And he says, if, if, if you're doing it out of some sort of sense of duty or because you feel like you're required, you're messing up. But if you firmly established in your heart, then go ahead and serve the Lord in that way. And don't put her in a position where she can never get married because you've been dangling on a line for 10 or 15 years. Amen? And then he says, <clears throat> It says, so then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from the marriage will do even better. So that's where Paul ends it up. He says, if you need to get married, get married. If you don't want to get married, don't get married. And if you get married, you're going to do well. You're going to be fine. But if you don't get married, you're going to do even better. And that's just going back to the advice he gave before. It is nothing more than Paul's single-minded devotion to serving the Lord. And he says, getting married is good. But if you stay single, your attention will be undivided and you can serve the Lord without any distraction. Amen? And then in 1 Corinthians 7, 39-40, he says, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of the Lord. You know, the Bible teaches that marriage is a lifelong contract. It's not like today's world where, you know, I don't even, that's, I don't even know what they're thinking. The marriage is, is just something you do so it looks good on paper, but you can just rip that piece of paper up later. And in this world, marriage has somehow uh, lost the, the sanctity of what it is. People don't think of it as anything else but a, a business transaction that can be undone at any time. But biblically, Marriage is a lifelong contract between a man and a woman. And this relationship was not to be dissolved for any reason. You can't get bored and move on. You can't have a couple fights and move on. You guys can't, I mean, if you decide to tie that knot, it's, it's a lasting one. But one of the ways that that, that contract could be dissolved if you will as if the husband or the the wife died and the contract is no longer in effect it's okay for one of the spouses to remarry if their husband or their their wife dies and he says if a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives but if her husband dies she is free to be married to whom she wishes this goes both ways by the way but then he says only in the lord so what does he mean by that he means that he's she still needs to marry someone who's a Christian. Paul always is going to be talking about being equally yoked. We need to be with other Christians. And I said, you know what? If, if her husband dies, she can go ahead and get married as long as it's in the Lord, as long as he's a believer as well. 
Because if you both aren't believers, do you think marriage is tough as it is? If, if you have an unbelieving spouse, it's, it's even tougher. And it's even harder. And that's why Paul says that if, if you get saved in that condition, the Christian sh- doesn't give up his marriage. But if the unbelieving spouse leaves, they're not under obligation. Because it's hard. And we should never intentionally put ourselves in that position. He says, she can get married, but only in the Lord. And the reason he's bringing this up is there was likely some teaching, whether it be in Greek society or maybe even other Christians were saying it, but if, if, a woman, if a woman's husband dies, she's stuck. She can't do anything else. And Paul just wanted to clear that up. And that that's not the case. But he ends with the same advice he's been giving the whole time. You know, she can marry as long as in the Lord, but she's happier if she remains as she is. That's kind of the theme of this whole thing, remain as you are, particularly if you're single. Because God, or Paul doesn't want your attention to be divided. And I, I, I definitely can relate to that feeling as a pastor, much more so than I was sitting on the other side. Because on the other side, it always seemed like a, a restrictive thing. It always seemed like, you know, when, when Pastor Mike would, would call me to more things and he would, he would uh, rebuke me if I wasn't giving my undivided attention to the Lord, I remember thinking like, what is up with this guy? I mean, doesn't he know I have a life? Doesn't he know I have something else going on? Who does he think he is? And I remember thinking those kind of things. And then now that I see it from the other side, I finally understand the heart behind this. But it's because we want nothing more than the kingdom of heaven to be shared with everyone, Jesus to be shared with everybody. And when our attention is divided, we are much less effective in that manner. And Paul may not have been giving a command from God, but he says, I think I too have the Spirit of the Lord. The truth is, is that Paul was walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And when you, the, you know the scripture says that you have the mind of Christ? When you're walking in step with Jesus, when you're walking in step, your thoughts are God's thoughts and vice versa. When you're walking in line with God, you're not going to be thinking ungodly thoughts because your focus is on Him. And Paul says, you know what? I think I have the Spirit of the Lord. This is still inspired by the Holy Spirit. This advice is not just from Paul, but it is inspired by the Holy Spirit to stay single if you can. Remain that way if you can. Serve with all you have. But if you do need to get married, and there are some very good reasons to get married, do so without guilt or shame. You're not sinning. You're not messing up. But just be prepared to live your lives as though he is first always, amen? Be prepared to live your lives as if you are single when it comes to serving Jesus. Let's go and stand to our feet. Hallelujah.